Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello, very authoritative. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Join us all the way from Erickson, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Thanks for introducing me, Matt. I'm happy to be on the show. Wow, I think Lee wins the NPR off. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well. I know it's not normally my place, and I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I'd like to declare emergency. An it's emergency. an emergency! It's an emergency of genius proportions. Okay. For some reason, I, I became a South American soccer announcer yeah. at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. it's, just you, the, it's just when the beard declares an emergency like that, it just sends you over it, the top. It's epic. Can you just yell messy in that voice? <laughs> No, I'm afraid it's already the moment it's gone. I've already it was gone. In the moment. Yeah. It was, it was yeah, magical. Right. It was gone. That's right. Yeah. You can't you can't bottle it. That's right. You can't bottle it. Well, we we last week we talked about uh God's not dead too. Uh-huh. God's not deader. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh towards the end of that, we ran out of time, but towards the end of that, Glenn was mentioning should we pitch our own Christian movie because um feel the need to repeat this. God's Not Dead made $61 million. Yeah. So clearly we need to, you know, this is the racket to be in. Totally. Absolutely. I know saying the word racket makes it sound like I'm implying some kind of nefarious criminal enterprise. And you are. Yeah, that's that's very much I'm on trying purpose. trying to say you're just exploiting people who feel as though they're a part of a minority culture yes. when they are in fact part of a majority culture. So that when any famous person has anything to do with it, they just get so excited they buy whatever that thing is. Absolutely. The fact that every marriage in any kind of big-budget secular movie takes place in a church with a minister, Yeah, not enough. No. Right. We're being persecuted. We're not being represented. Don't you wish me happy holidays. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, that that speech was definitely worth the five longer minutes I'm going to spend in this Target line. Thanks for uh, really putting up forth a good witness there, Chet. <laughs> yeah. But, so I, th- I thought Glenn had a fantastic idea. Okay. I thought, why not combine that with another fantastic idea that Glenn has had? Because if you're someone who works for Glenn, and this is a pro tip if you hope to work for Glenn one day, most of your job is just kind of remembering things Glenn said and then repackaging them later on. Sure. That's right. So, in the interest of that, we have... To say that productions Christian movie, right? We have the very popular and uh, an idea that struck a chord with the people. Okay, Pope Awesome. Yeah, yes. good Pope, bad Pope. Here's the thing: we yes, mentioned Pope. a couple of weeks ago that because originally Glenn was running for Pope. That's right. Threw his hat in the ring. Uh huh. We had a Pope pack. Yeah, bit, bit of a bit of a dark horse candidate, being not a cardinal or Catholic. Right. We neglected to inform the College of Cardinals that Glenn was in consideration, so... That was definitely a glitch. That, like, I'm uh, not saying we couldn't have done a few things better. Sure, sure absolutely. But sure. The, we had strong grassroots support for this idea. Exactly. He was out on board. Right. So last a couple of weeks ago, as Pope Francis had done a tour of the U.S., we'd mentioned that, you know, he seemed, people seem to like the Pope. Right. We've certainly enjoyed a lot of what he said. There's a lot yep. of uh, very... Uh, progressive and well, not progressive so much as they're in the two thousand year old book, but right. for some reason, consider progressive ideas about 
huh. helping the poor. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, like was in D.C. and had lunch at a homeless shelter as opposed to having the swanky lunch. So we're down with all that stuff. That sounds great. That's so how, Glenn decided yeah. this dude seems to be poping pretty good. Oh, he's poping great. So we don't want to get in the we don't want to mess up his flow. No, no, no. But is there a role for Glenn? Right. As the bad cop pope. Yeah, I, I yep. want to back his I'm backing him up, see. So we pitched a, a very kind of we we didn't pitch. We started the idea of a very diehard style, you know, lethal weapon style, good pope bad pope situation. Right. Right. Now I'm saying we take these two great tastes and make them taste great together. I'm talking about good pope bad pope the motion picture. Yeah. Whoa. This needs to happen. Okay. Um, uh, I think what we have here, we've laid out the basic, uh, you know, ideas. Sure, absolutely. The background. But what we need is the gratuitous person who's barely Christian, who is a C or D list celebrity. Mm-hmm. That we get into our movie to right. prepare the proper exploitation. Sure, absolutely. So we've almost certainly got the you know we you know we got the the the, the Pope Francis character right. Sure, you got me as the bad Pope right. That's you know. Uh, now, do you think we should cast the Pope Francis character? Or do you think we're going to get uh, Francis to just do us a solid? Well, here? I think yeah. I mean, he's going to want to get in on. He's us. cool. Sure, he's cool. Sure. Okay, he's got free time. What I'm looking at is, you know, you've got uh, some sort of, uh, you know, local cop uh, 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 lieutenant. Right. You know. Sure. Who's, who's trying to tell me that he doesn't like my methods. Right. And, uh, you know, that I'm a loose cannon. Right. Et cetera and so on. So we need to cast someone in that role. But that needs to be kind of a pseudo semi somewhat Christian person. You're right. Saying? That's at least a... A, a D or C list celebrity, including potential persons who have only appeared on reality TV and have no talent or skill whatsoever. I have an idea, and I think you're going to love it. Okay, his his faith has been profiled recently, um, and and you know pretty significantly. I'm talking about now. It's strongly against type, but I'm talking about Justin Bieber is the guy that doesn't approve of your methods. You just blew my mind. That's right, I did. You're welcome. <laughs> you're saying we need an. In- because one of the uh, challenges narratively, right. as we look at the narrative structure, is normally it's you know it's the crusty police chief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says, oh, "I like your methods, but you get results." Right. But the mayor's on my butt, so watch right. it. Right. Now, right, right. one of the issues here is when you're pope, yeah. you're kind of top of the hill. Yeah. So unless we want to cast you know someone as the divine, right? Who's taking the pope's boss, which that gets a little sticky. I don't know if we want to do that. I'm thinking Justin Bieber, right? As the Cardinal of Internal Affairs. Yes. Wow. Yes. Breathing down your neck. Yeah. And this way, we get the whole good pope, bad pope dynamic. Francis, he kind of agrees with him. Right. right. He doesn't like everything you do, but he doesn't want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the bond between partners is so strong. Right. And he knows you get results. That's 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 my whole gig. Okay. So we got Pope Francis as himself. Right. Right. That may complicate the shooting schedule, but yeah, that's okay. Right. Yeah. We've got Glenn in a star-making turn. Yeah. Right. We've got Justin Bieber as the po- as the Cardinal of Internal Affairs. Right. I think it's great. We're going to have to play with the doctorate a little bit to get a love interest in here. Right. Well, now, uh, before we get to that, okay. uh, clearly 
we're we're talking about a musical here. Well, obviously, we got to have I a didn't, dance I think number. It was even saying out loud. Oh, okay, so that you got your dance numbers, right? You exactly. Your, you know, in the sure. Hope you like a hurricane, you know, but with all the production behind it, right? Sure. Appearance by the Scorpions to perform it, I, exactly. You yeah, know, get them out of mothballs. Yeah, get them and we're out not there. we're not doing one of these cheapo like oh they're they happen to be in a bar where this the band is playing it happens to be the scorpions but, but no we're talking about we're blowing it out yeah right exactly. the stage like, turns around and with reveals choirs the scorpions. and stuff yeah totally. yeah yeah, Backing yeah. Up the scorpions. yeah we're going for it yeah so you know and and then then bieber's doing his you know his number with She's, like the uh, counterpoints you know, and a very yeah like you you can't do that hoo, hoo, or whatever i don't know what he does yeah but that's i'm something. expecting that we'll get max something. we'll get max martin to write the particulars on the bieber side that's, 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 you know is is there a point at which the at which the bad pope has to inform francis that of what he previously didn't know, which is that Shepard One is tricked out to be like a fully, like a fully militaristic take you down aircraft when it needs mm. to be. Mm. Well, yeah, I think what 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 happens is we're all on the plane. Okay, so that's the scene. Shepard One. We're on the pl- Shepard One. That's the Pope. You know, when the Pope is on the plane, it's Shepard One. Right. Okay, we're on the plane. Well, guess what? I don't know if you guys know this. Right. There's a war on Christmas. Yes, there is. <laughs> okay. Now here's what here's what happens. Right. Wh- whoever these people are. Right. Terrorists. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you have a war on Christmas and you're not a terrorist? Sure. Right. That's just ABC. Sure. Right? Okay. So we have the war. They're declared war on Christmas. If they're going to do anything about Christmas. They're taking down Shepherd One when both the good Pope and, and the, bad the bad Pope, Pope are on there. Are on it. Right. See what I'm saying? This is what this is right. what we're talking about. So we're on the plane and also there's snakes. Right. Well, obviously there's snakes on the plane. Right. So what happens is the pilot says, We're under attack. Right. See what I mean? And the, the, the good By the pope, forces of secularism. That's right. <laughs> Though it's a war on Christmas. I like the idea of secular purely secular terrorists. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So but that's when I explain to Francis made some modifications. Don't don't worry, as Lee suggested, I tricked it out. Right. You know, I I I I you know, I I uh, we're you know, and then missiles come out of the thing, drop down and you know. Dude, cleared. I've got it. You explain mm-hmm. that. Missiles come out, we're locked on target. They're right. saying, "Sir, I need authorization to fire. Sir, I need authorization." And that Francis he puts his hand on his shoulder and says, "My son, this is not the path of peace. Whoa. You must defeat them." With love and a dance off. Whoa! That's when the two planes connect. Yes. And you reveal midair docking. Exactly right. The two planes connect. Midair lock. You explain to Pope Francis. You say, "Well, of course I'm the bad Pope, but my mother was a dance teacher, and I got moves like you've never seen." This is what I'm saying. All right. Magic hips, dude. See, so Bieber tries to get in there. <laughs> so and it's true to life. He tries to get in there and do the dance off, but that secularist, he's got some moves, man. Oh yeah, he's he's he, he takes uh, him down. Because they don't even care about what the holiday is, whatever it is. You yeah. throw down your miter, throw down your crows, yes. take off those robes, yeah. suddenly sequined pantsuit. Absolutely. And you're ready to do this thing. I'm ready to do it. Yeah. That's a go picture. I think we've solved uh, all of our financial problems. I think we're. I think what we've pitched now. We're gonna have to expand this. It sounds like we've pitched step up for bad Pope saves Christmas. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. 
That's it. That's a license um, to print money right there, man. Absolutely. Uh, here's I, what I'm saying. Get Spielberg on the phone because <laughs> we want to bottle this right, right. We've got it the, hot and fresh. There's okay. a, the, Look, the soundtrack is going to be hot. Yeah. I think um, getting someone who knows how to make a good, a visually good looking movie is against the uh, the Christian movie bylines. Oh, that's true. So maybe not so much Spielberg. Maybe Spielberg's like third cousin you know what first give first picture spielberg's got spielberg but with a u it's yeah it's either that or it's like a you know like a a a nephew once removed that's in seminary yeah oh i like that yeah here's what i'm saying though is is once once we break all once we break all the big bucks in from this movie and we go to the sequel is it possible that the next secular uh, terror that we face is that the Darwinists attack the faith with uh, test tube dinosaur velociraptors coming after Shepard 1? Lee is, Younger, you're an idea man. This is, you know what, we have to, you know what we need to do? Tell me. We need to be cool, because right now, people are writing this down yeah <laughs> they're gonna steal this idea yeah that's why we've got it recorded though this will be evidenceable oh this will be legally actionable that's yes yeah, that's, that's why that's why you're in charge of this absolutely podcast, now know? a lot of lesser franchises would have waited to have bad pope saves christmas be the sequel right your, your earnest your lesser ideas they wait for the christmas movie we're starting out strong yeah that's right i think that's good i think uh Bad Pope Jurassic World, also quite good. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, gentlemen, I think we did it. Yeah. My yeah. only concern, and this is something we uh, we want your suggestions, audience, and should chew on this, I'm concerned Bieber might be too famous. Because, mm. again, we're working on from a formula here. Right. This is, you know, we're talking about studio pictures in a very particular kind. There's a formula for success here. Right. And actual A-list famous person ain't it. That's true. I'm That's not saying really we couldn't true. make it work. Sure. But is it a risk? Okay. So if you, listening audience, have a suggestion for who should be co-starring with Glenn and Pope Francis in Step Up 3, Bad Pope Saves Christmas. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, but do it quick because, I mean, we're, we're, we we're start shooting as soon as possible. Uh, yes. My, 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 real quick, just one suggestion. If you, you throw it back, if you don't like it, Mario Lopez from Saved by the Bell. Strong. Sure. I think that's in the vein of what we're looking for. Uh yeah. I think that's I uh, what I'm I think what we're dialing in is sort of an Urkel level. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, right in there. Stefan or Cal, yeah. please. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well Glenn, Glenn's been looking for a project to work with Julio Light on, and this could be just the one. Absolutely. You know, just, I, I think that you know, just mid 90s not entirely sure. successful sitcom yeah well we've got somewhat successful sitcom from 20 years ago or eighth lead on a vaguely christian reality series yeah so if you have when we don't we don't we're not pop culture those are two blindnesses in some of our pop culture literacy right so if you got suggestions send us in let us know you can tweet us at the bridge chi and catch us all on twitter at it's just our names so uh we look forward to that and until then we declare Emergency off. Emergency off. Emergency off. Now, Bad Pope fights the forces of secularism and um, apparently very well-armed anti-Christmas terrorists yep. with his methods uh-huh. that are unconventional and some would say controversial. Yes. Uh-huh. 
Now, is this a parallel to the way that Glenn in his actual life spreads the gospel through methods that some would call unconventional and controversial, like shooting fire at the cold? <laughs> yes. So that we can have a meeting with ex-convicts and gang members and addicts. I think un- I think unconventional is one of the nicer ways you could yeah. frame what we do there. So that's every Tuesday at the bridge. We also do some ministry. We also go down to the jailhouse, down to Division One of Cook County there, and speak to the brothers there. We, our friends Pete and Tasha, along with Glenn, do a great job reaching out to people in uh, drug rehabs, inviting them to the bridge. A lot of good stuff. And one of the ways we are supported in all that is by people who subscribe to Bridgebox. It's only eight dollars a month to support all that good work, and not only that, but you get songs, sermons, Bible studies, all that directly in your inbox every month just for signing up for Bridgebox. Go to missionusa.com/bridgebox. All right, and jump to our first question here. If you have a question for us, hang on with us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us. The first one comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says. My parents are miserable in their marriage. Both of them are Christians, but most of their interactions with each other end in fighting, and then they don't talk to each other for days. Recently, my dad told me he believes, for whatever reason, God hasn't blessed their marriage, which sounds absurd to me. The whole thing feels wrong. Is there any truth in saying that God, even though he loves us so much, would hold back people from having a good marriage? I can see how an instance like Paul's weakness allowed him to stay humble, which my dad compared the marriage to, but I don't see any redeeming value in my parents' resentful relationship. Is there any hope for me in breaking away from their habits and actually having a loving relationship with someone? I'm scared I'll get stuck in the same traps, and if that's the case, I'm just going to stay single for life. And Jen, why don't you start us off here? Well, um, thanks for your uh, for your question. I'm so sorry for what you're dealing with and the struggles you're facing here. If it helps at all, I can relate word for word to everything you've described. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I know these other brothers are going to talk a bit about your parents' situation. I'd like to talk about yours for a second because I think that's the part that really matters here. You can build a great marriage. There's absolutely, yeah. positively, no question about it. You can build a great marriage, and I'll prove it to you. One of the building blocks of a good and healthy relationship and of a good and a healthy marriage is open communication. Um, uh, you talk to Christian counselors, you talk to secular counselors, the, the, what's the number one thing that drives a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage? They're going to tell you communication. All right. Communication boils down to a decision. And that decision is, we're going to talk this thing out until we get on the same page. Uh-huh. That's the decision that drives good communication. Here's the important part. No one can stop you and your spouse from making that choice. Nobody. Your parents can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. Some guy with a weird book about marriage can't do it. The only people that can make that decision, the only people that can stop you from making that decision are you and your spouse. And if the two of you decide we're making that decision, we will, we will each thing. We're going to talk it out till we get on the same page. We refuse to solve anything less than nobody can stop you from doing that. If you've got the heart to choose that, if you've got the heart to choose own communication, if you seek God's strength to make that decision one day at a time, not only do you have nothing to fear, you should expect that you will have a great marriage. You should expect it. You should anticipate it. Right now, you're fearing that you probably can't have a good marriage. I'm saying if you choose the things that lead to a healthy marriage and your spouse chooses the things that lead to a healthy marriage and you ask for God's strength to lead them out, you should not only be hopeful about a healthy marriage, you should expect to have a healthy marriage. This is the key thing, and this is the one thing I'll say about your parents before I pass around to these to these other brothers. Good marriages, healthy marriages are built. 
Two people say we're going to dig in and work together and build a healthy relationship. The message ultimately that your parents are giving you is marriages just kind of happen. They're this mystical, mysterious thing. Who's to say how they become what they are? Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably I'm not at fault because of that. It's just... It's just a mystery. Um, I can't tell you how strongly I would disagree. Um, I can speak from experience in marriage. I know these other brothers can as well and would agree with me. Marriages are built. Mm-hmm. It's right. it's not a great mystery. It's not a great mystical thing. It's two people digging in and building something. And if you do that in the Lord's strength, you will have a good marriage. That's absolutely right. I think it's a big part of the thing here is what we would call um, some magical thinking. On your, uh, the part of, well, probably both your parents, but your dad. And again, I want to point out that's not uncommon. We all know a bunch of people who right. are um, in bad marriages, a lot of Christians specifically, and the last answer on all of God's green earth they are looking for is we can get up tomorrow and start doing something different and this will be better. Yes. They want cursed. They want our parents weren't Christian and they want, I looked, I'm not making this up. They want, I looked at pornography 40 years ago. So right. these, the, any explanation other than we have a role in the outcome of this. So there's also a certain amount of not magical thinking, but that kind of same cursedness mindset that's anything otherwise do that some people take towards being stuck, being single. Maybe, Glenn, maybe you can walk us through kind of the intersection of that. Well, yeah, I think um, that uh, it's sort of interesting where you're talking about parents' marriage and so on and so forth. Uh, in the the way that may or may not impact you, and then suddenly, uh, I'm single for life is w- where we land with that. That Dude. there's a little red flag that goes up there when I, you know, there's a bit of is that the main concern, and the rest of this is kind of attached to that. Sure, you know, uh, the the solution for being single for life is find somebody cute that loves Jesus and ask him out. Yep, that's simple. As Jed said, the the formula for uh, how to go about getting to a good marriage is very simple, and he's laid that out. Um, uh, God does not hold people back from having a good marriage, but the people hold God back from letting this be a good marriage. There's no question about that. So, uh, and, and that's uh, obviously much more likely what's going on uh, with your parents. Uh, but here's the you know, let's maybe, you know, let's have a moment of gentle honesty here. God is not invited into a lot of marriage. Man, is that oh, true? Yeah. I, give you a really quick example. We had a a, a couple that um, for a while was helping helping us out at the bridge. Young college couple, sweet the, people, sweet the nice two nicest kids you ever. I say kids. They're you know they're they're twenty three at the time. Yeah. Uh, they're going to a Christian school, a prominent Christian school that likes to think it's the best in the world, and definitely is not. And um, bless them, they were indoctrinated in that. They were told all that. Now they also read all the Christian dating books. They really wanted to do this to the max, you know. And they absorbed it. They believed every word that they read, and they attempted to live by it. Uh, the two of them developed a dating relationship that was 100% based on cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. And God was not involved. God was not welcome. Uh, God did not comment on things. God did not set things up. You know, They would pray to God. They would pray about God. They would allow God in the far peripheral of that. 
but they never once said, we read this thing, is this what we should be looking yes. at? They never once said, what do you, God, say is a healthy relationship? They took what they read out of Christian books as gospel, as truth, as a, a word of God that they were going to, to follow, but they did not go to God at all. They didn't ask the Lord, when, what, you know, what does our daily life need to be, look like? When, where, and how should we be married? None of that. They yeah. assumed that w- because we're following the Christian cultural formula, therefore it must be perfect. They got married. And let me just try and explain this to you. This was a train wreck from day number one. Literally, the sex life ran aground on the honeymoon. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Uh, they, they literally did not have a functioning sex life. They didn't have a functioning relationship with each other. They would have gotten divorced in the first year of their marriage, except for they were too embarrassed to tell all their Christian friends. They spent like two or three years living together. Despite, did get divorced. Did get divorced, of course, but they they did that just out of pride to keep their, their friends from knowing about this horrible train wreck of a marriage. But here's the thing. God wasn't involved in any part of that. Nope. I'm talking about these two people getting in their car and driving to another state to find <laughs> the old boyfriend she had when she was 12 because maybe she has soul ties with him. This dude is married to another woman, has children, and here she and her new husband are standing on his front lawn, and she's saying, I think my soul is tied to you because we held hands when we were 12. Yep. And this dude says, you have lost your mind. I am calling the police. Yep. Okay? Yep. If if it gets to this point, and you're not asking Jesus to come in on this and whatever, I don't know what to tell you, but this is what happens with the marriage, you know, your parents' marriage or whatever. It can get really, 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 really bad, really crazy, insane. But uh, even despite that, we have a way of getting so entrenched in what we're doing, so selfish in our mindset, so firm in our resolve that, hey, I have the right look at this thing, that we don't ask God to come in. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. I would. That's a, another great example of the whole soul ties thing of looking for an answer that's anything other than you can affect your situation. Yes, <laughs> right. And right, that's right. a problem in dating, and it's a problem in bad marriages. And everybody in this podcast yeah. has been around bad marriages. Mm-hmm. And one of the key things that people of faith bring into their bad marriages is cursed yep right so hey why would we go to a counselor we're cursed yeah right why would i change anything we're cursed and at least this weird bunker mentality that's the bad news the good news is you're not cursed you can change and your actions can have an effect on your environment yep so uh, going back to a little bit what jed was saying about good marriages not being uh just given but being built and lee why don't you talk us through a little bit of that kind of um that idea of breaking the cycle. I've, I've seen this thing modeled, and there's a, yep. there's a growing of realizing that's not the way it is. So what do I replace that with? Well, the cool thing is is that part of the, the thing that the Lord is going to do for you in the middle of this is he is showing you exactly everything that you do not want. And the cool thing is, is that a person who is walking with the Lord and wants to get wisdom from him is able to look at this and say, now I have a really good example of what not to do. Amen. And the, the very first thing is to start with a full rejection of the way that your folks see this thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this this uh, this idea that God doesn't want us to have a good marriage, God is uh, God is cursing us or whatever, you start by completely and utterly rejecting that as total nonsense. It sounds harsh and people don't like it, but actually the only people that don't like the sentence that I'm about to say are people with super sucky marriages, but people have the marriage they deserve to have. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of hard work, and it is tough. It 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 is tough, and it can, and especially when you have certain types of circumstances and traumas and stuff like that, it can be a it can be a slugfest. It can be a difficult thing to get to a good place, but it is work that's worth it. And no this doubt. is this is work that you can do, and that anybody can do, and is worth it. And this is something that if you're willing to say, as Jed said, we are willing to work this out until we do it. We are willing to follow the Lord. The the interesting thing is, is that everybody, just about everybody, even people that don't believe in Jesus, take about the same vows. And these are vows that say, basically, I am swearing to God and to everybody that I love, that I am going to love you and serve you until I am dead. And that's kind of the heart of these vows. I promise yep. to not give up on this. I promise to love you and to accept you and to serve you. And basically what happens is that all of the tension and the problems that people have in their marriage, it's some degree of wriggling out of those basic things. Yeah. And what we have to do is to go back to the heart of that and figure out, where did I stop accepting you? Where did I stop loving you? Where did I stop serving you? And that's the mm. piece that we have to get down in. It's We got to pop the hood on here, and we got to start inspecting, what did I do wrong? Now, the problem is, for you, is that your whole life is filled with tension and drama because they suck at keeping their vows. Yeah, and the and for you to start from uh, from rejecting your dad's point of view of this thing, which is that's a tough thing, but you know sometimes we have to do that with our parents' funky stuff. You reject that. God has not cursed that, and we're just going to push that to the side. No, you guys sucked at doing what you swore you would do. Okay, now that gives me a really good example of don't be that guy, and I'm yeah. going to start full out on something completely new. Here's the cool thing. None of this supposed, air quotes, curse follows you in any way into any relationship for the rest of your life. Amen. You don't have to put up with the drama. You don't have to put up with the tension. You don't have to put up with that. And for folks who are listening to this who already have a a marriage or a dating relationship that's heading in the wrong direction or maybe has run aground with a lot of tension or, or struggle or problems or stuff like that, you can hit a full stop and start over today. And you're not cursed. You can go back and fix this thing. And it's the exact same stuff. It's the stuff that Jeb was saying at the the beginning. It's the stuff that Glenn followed up with. And it's this thing, that we swore that we would love, accept, and serve one another until we were dead. Now, in, in what little specific areas were we wriggling out of that? And let's figure out what it would take to start back at zero and put that thing together. It's going to be hard work. And for you, for you starting a new relationship, you're not cursed and yours is going to be hard work as well, but you can do this. One more real quick thing, but on what Lee's saying, you can actually turn all this into a strength. And one of the ways you can do that is, you know, what magical thinking can do to a marriage into a relationship. You've seen it firsthand, which means that there will be moments inevitably in your dating where you're tempted to go down the path of magical thinking. 
right. or where your uh, significant other is tempted to go down the path of magical thinking and where other people would say, well, that does feel like the easier way to go. Maybe we'll just do that. You can leverage this experience to so that in that moment you say, no, I know where that road leads. I know where it goes to this relationship. This marriage does. We do not do that. That right. doesn't exist here. We don't accept that. We don't entertain that. We do work. That's how right. we get where we're going in this right. relationship. And all of that turns this crappy background into a strength for you. And we want that for you. It's absolutely right. I'll close this out by saying um, it sounds like we're being harsh on your folks. And we definitely are. Mm-hmm. But not the problem. And we've got to be clear. The problem is not they're bad people. The problem right. is not they're not Christian enough. This is not about how your sins find you out and ruin your marriage. It's not what this is about. There's a part in John, there's a a place in John nine where there's a guy who's blind. People bring him to Jesus. And in one of the more callous things in the new Testament say, Hey, Jesus using blindy as a real life theological example here, (laughs) is this punishment for his sin or his parents sin? Jesus says, it's not proof of either of those. That's not the way this whole thing works. Yeah. So this isn't that your parents are awful people, so they had a bad marriage. That's not what you get the marriage you deserve means. It means they made a series, and a, they, the, the series of decisions caught some momentum so that at some point it probably stopped feeling like decisions, mm-hmm. but they made a series of decisions over years that were harmful to a marriage. Yeah. So to get to the core of your question, is there any hope for me in breaking away from these habits and actually having a loving relationship with someone Absolutely. And it's not an issue of hope. It, as these guys are saying, it is academic. It will happen. If you meet someone who loves Jesus and you both decide we are not fortune's fool, we are not the subjects of curse or magic, we're going to put in the work. We're going to need God's strength to do the work. Don't get me wrong. This is not what we're doing on our own. We're going to put in the work. You will have a good marriage. Your parents did not do that. They did not have a good marriage. That's the the overall lesson to be taken from this is not about how your parents are bad people. It's not about how, um, certainly not about how curses or magic involve this is that there are, there's work and decisions that go into good marriages. And if you don't do those, you get bad marriages. So the good news about that is if you, if you want a good marriage and you should, you do the things that lead to the good marriage. If you want to run a marathon, you do that by getting on a running program. And deciding to get up and run. You don't do that by doing something else. Yeah. So if you want the thing to de- if you want the end result, you get on the road that leads to that and you know what that is. So that's all. It's a harsh start to play, play start off. And again, we're sorry for it. Everybody in this podcast knows what it's like to grow up around a marriage that really is not ideal. So right. we're sorry for it. We know the we know the strain that puts on you, but it, this is all gonna land in a good place for you, trust us. All right, our second question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and it says I recently moved and am, and am in the process of finding a new church. I found one that I really enjoy, but they require you to be baptized, sign a covenant, and answer some written questions to be a member. I thought that was really strange, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. Is that normal, or is it a sign that I should step away? And Glenn, why don't you start us off here? Well, yeah, uh, this is one of those things where uh, it's not an, a big, giant, overt blinking neon sign that you need to to run away certainly not in and of itself exactly um uh, it, it's uh, it it may be a bit much uh-huh. uh but in and of itself it's it's not uh, a, a huge big deal uh to give you sort of the the boring uh uh, uh insider details in terms don't of excite the, the people too much glenn <laughs> yeah they get they give you the uh sort of the 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 
the inside baseball. Inside baseball on this, how this stuff works. Uh, churches have to decide, uh, I want someone to be a member to to have a very serious commitment to the Lord, and I have to try and figure out how do I measure that, but I also have to figure out um, how Christian can they be at the very beginning if they sure. just accepted the Lord and now mm-hmm. they're looking to become a member. So it's a bit of a thing of... of do we want to go ahead and get them into a church membership when they're really at the beginning and we don't want to have them jumping through a lot of hoops? Or is it better uh, for us to put them in a membership class where they learn about the faith, they maybe learn a little bit about the denomination, uh, where at the end of that class they're baptized, the whole class is baptized unless they've been baptized before, and then at the end, they uh, stand up in church and they uh, make a profession of faith where they say, here's what I'm about, and so on and so forth, and then they become members and so on and so forth. That's sort of the old school way of doing that. I think it's a good way of doing it and, and, and nothing wrong with that at all. And yeah, at, in some cases, that would be uh, uh, where you're sort of um, uh, standing up in front of church and saying, yes, I commit myself to living a Christian life and I'm professing my faith faith publicly and, you know, that thing. So that's, you know. Uh, Signing a covenant that looks almost like a legal document that I will do all this stuff is a bit of a, you know. Some of these covenants have things in them like, I promise I will not commit these particular types of sins. It can be a bit much. Yeah, now, now we're starting to drift a little bit. But but now here's the real where the rubber meets the road. Some churches recently have been doing this, and some large churches have been doing this recently. Well, and some large churches doing it, which led to it becoming much more common. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Large churches started doing this, and part of the reason why they're doing it is that they are not actually working in the individual lives of their members. Yeah, they're trying to shortcut that process. If you've got so many people— uh, you can't sit down with all of them and say how are you doing and let's you know and and hold them accountable and work on yep. their stuff. So instead of working on their life to help them deal with the sin that's going on in their life, you say you stop it. Mm-hmm. Now sign this piece of paper saying that you will continue to stop it. Yep. Yeah. That's really pretty desperately sucky. And sign this piece of paper uh, saying this puts the onus of responsibility on you. Right. To come to us to solve your problems as opposed to us knowing anything about you. Exactly right. Um, That I really don't like. Mm -hmm. So there's a a way to do this that's actually pretty uh, legit and old school and fine, uh, but you can get into some really wrong stuff really quick with it. And I I think the bottom line is this. When you are in this, you, you got a church that you like now, okay, and they're asking you to do this. Okay, here's what you want to do. Talk to the pastor, and if you can't talk to the pastor, we ain't we Yeah, don't have even pass go on that one. Yeah, right. You talk to the pastor and say, for example, um, uh, what sort of discipleship-type ministry do you do personally as the pastor? In other words, is the associate pastor a person that you raised up in the faith? Is that your deacons and elders are people that you've raised up, or are they just people who came here? You know, yeah. Um, what sort of outreach do you do in the community? How do, do you do hospital visitations? Where Get a sense of how often this pastor has his boots on the ground 
and deals with things. This might be just a really, really uh, 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 crazy idea that he sort of copied and thought it would be a good idea, and it's kind of not, and he's still a legit pastor. So we don't want to sound a lot of alarm bells, even though it, it does sound a little hinky to us the way it does to you. Uh, I think it's about doing a little bit of background on, on the pastor. Yeah, I totally really agree. About. I think it's a fantastic point. Yeah, there is one thing, and if you want to send us a copy of it, whatever, we'd be happy to help you out with this in private in a way more specific way, but this is a thing that is gaining traction. It's in, a trend. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a trend in church culture, which happens a lot now, and this is the way it happens is uh, a couple, one specifically very large, very profitable church started doing this, and a church that is involved in church planting feels like a very strong way to put it church franchising let's put yeah, it that way and uh so obviously if the mothership does something a specific way and they think they like it they're going to encourage people to do that and yeah. this is kind of the way a lot of church culture stuff works is somebody real famous does it and then it kind of trickles down into mm-hmm. other people who want big churches so that's cool but as glenn is saying this is there's also a centuries old tradition of membership requirements and Covenant agreement is a phrase that is used in like the Presbyterian denomination. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not all covenants are created equal. Yeah. Right. The, right. A big right. point, what Glenn's starting off here, Lee, as someone who's a pastoral staff church, love to get you to unpack this more for us on this is the, the covenant thing in and of itself can be indicative of something bigger to the positive or the negative. Yeah. So what should people be looking for? Maybe in a more general sense of here's what this church thinks about membership and here's what that could mean for what this church cares about. Maybe you can talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I know for us, <clears throat> we don't really do church membership in that sense. I mean, we, we, you know, I think it would be easy for us to look out over our church and say these are the folks that we would consider part of it. But it's kind of a it's it's kind of the other way around. It's it's once you look out and see who is invested in the body of the of the church, who's coming to the community group, who cares about serving at stuff, and these are the people who are you know really kind of members of this church. But it's not one of those things where we ask people to uh, you know sign a thing about their behavior. Or whatever. There are churches in our area who make you sign a, you know, sign a piece of paper that that say exactly how much money that you will give. Um, this percentage mm. of your money, they, they, there is. I am, and I wish I were making this up. There is a local church that makes uh, the members sign a thing saying that they will not smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and it's, it, I mean, it's just, there's, there's all, I mean, Lord. there is every flavor of this kind of thing. And one of the problems is, is that some of these kinds of covenants that, that people sign, you know, it, it has, there, there's all this kind of stuff about, uh, you know, marriages, divorces and stuff like that. And one of the mm-hmm. problems there is that you can't, it, it makes it, it makes it hard for, uh, you know, for pastors to make the right kinds of decisions based on the individual circumstances of people, we would rather not have people sign stuff. And, you know, I mean, we, we're in a smaller church, so we individually meet with people. The people can meet with any of the pastors or elders that they want to. We can listen to the story. We can make decisions based on the leading of the Spirit and their under, understanding of the situation and stuff like that. We want to serve people in that way. And also, sometimes these uh, the, there's a, a local church where in order to become a member, they had to take what really amounted to like a theological like seminary exam. 
It was like a really, really, really detailed, you know, you had to know all this theology and all this scripture and stuff like that. And the way we look at stuff like that is, man, like people's lives are hard and they need a place to come and worship and they need a place to come and sing and serve. And, and, you know, they probably need a hug. They need, they need some encouragement and stuff like that. And so we don't want to, to do those kinds of things. And so it's a, you know, for us, it's, we don't really do the, you know, people don't sign a covenant or anything like that. And, and that's, that's a different culture for us, partly because we are such a small church and, and, you know, the goal is to know everybody and be able to walk, you know, the individual members through their lives, you know, kind of one-on-one. One thing that I would say on this, and so that, that maybe kind of lines out some of the negative things that, that people do with this. Um, <clears throat> but one thing I will say on this is, if this new church that you found, if one of their kind of things on this membership deal is that you have to be baptized in order to be saved, then you need to turn mm. around and walk immediately. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. definitely that's true. That's not true. part of the gospel. That there, there are denominations that have you know different kinds of funky stuff about baptism and everything. But if that's one of their, if that's one of their things, you have to be baptized in order to be saved or forgiven of your sins or something like that. Then that that's definitely a a hard stop. Turn around and walk on. That's absolutely true. That's also a very good point. There's a, sh- there is a difference. There definitely should be a difference between membership requirements and a statement of faith. Yeah. yeah. Now, some churches are hip to the fact that people look at statements of faith and in an attempt to kind of get more people in the door, they keep some language very general yeah. and may try to tuck something like um, salvation and baptism in somewhere else. So Lee makes a very, very good point. You look at that. So that's something about, Bore about what to look at the church and Jed maybe if you could look at us look at for us Glenn made an excellent suggestion which is one you should do it's really one you should do when you're looking at any church which is sit down with the pastor absolutely at least a member of the pastoral staff now absolutely most likely the head guy if there's something where he's out of town for a week or whatever he's an associate pastor that's all cool but what what can, what are some things we should be looking at in that conversation to look as per, just in general and in particular when you ask the question hey what just for what's up with the whole covenant thing what are we looking to hear or not hear those are great questions i think the thing that you really want to see is what's the heart of this church um you know what are they what are they here to do are are they here to Know you and be in your life, love you, serve you, encourage you, build you up, equip you to live out God's calling for your life. Is that what they're here to do? Because that's actually the job of a church. The things I've just described again. To love you, know you, be in your life, encourage you, build you up, raise you up, train you, equip you, and send you out to do the things God created you to do. Live out your calling on this world. That's the job of a church. That's what they exist to do. Is that their heart? Is that what they want to do? Is that what they're here to do? Or are they here to be famous themselves? Are they here to have a big, impressive church and a big, impressive building and a big, impressive presence? And what they want is you to be a part of that campaign. Those are are two very, very different things. As it ties into um, the idea of covenants, here's, as Glenn's saying, there's not a real reason those need to be different from old school membership um, agreements. But one of the ways where they become different from old school membership agreements is when it becomes about, here's the famous, impressive thing we're trying to do with this church, and here's your job in making that happen. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. That's, that's the place that we, that we get into trouble. I think the thing that you're trying to suss out, we're all, we're all saying it in, in varying ways. The, the membership covenant thing is weird. 
Um, yeah. It's it's a weird, semi-creepy thing. Um, it runs counter to the teachings of Jesus. There's a passage, yeah. it's in Matthew chapter 5, uh, it's verse 37. Jesus is talking about making oaths and making promises. He says, don't do that. He says in verse 37, right. let your yes be yes or your no be no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. He's saying, you don't don't swear by heaven, don't swear by earth, don't make me promise, say, I will do this, I won't do that. Um, people that are looking for you to do more than that, that's coming from a funky, weird place. What's pr- there? Are, and again, kind of what all of us are saying is there's, there's two uh, possibilities that are going on here. One is, it's a cool church where the pastor or somebody on the pastoral staff read a book about the value of church covenants, and they said, well, that sounds like something. Let's try that. Right. And just so you know, all pastors do that. Yes, All sure. pastors read books and blog posts and magazine articles and say, well, that sounds neat. Maybe we'll do that. And a lot of that comes from not a bad place. We're ta- right. Lee brought up the marriage thing, which is a very good point. It's a lot of pastors, and no matter how good the church is, no matter how uh, intimately they know most of their people, who they they hear that you know Joe and Sally are getting a divorce. Well, Joe and Sally never came to us. Yeah, we right. we we hugged them on every Sunday and said, "How we doing? Let's grab lunch." They never did. So, man, it'd be great if everyone would just give us a shot at counseling yep. them before they um, before they went off and got divorced because we see the pain that reached and all that stuff and then they read the book about well marriage covenants and when we did that we saw you yeah. know a 200% increase in our counseling appointments they think they're getting divorced now so we got to try something again a, a lot of this is a little more inside baseball but the covenant thing while Jez absolutely right is weird doesn't necessarily come from a negative place absolutely you know I mean so I think the thing you're trying to find out is are these people that love me, care about me, want to be the hands and feet in Jesus to me? Yeah, they got some weird ideas the way any church would and some stuff that maybe they haven't thought through. And maybe I'm not going to sign it, but I'll be a part of this you know, body of faith anyway, because who really cares? Or is this, they know exactly what it is. Yeah. We're trying to build an empire. Here's your role as cog and pawn. Sign exactly. up here. I need to be able to put on the back of my book jacket the number of members in this church, and this is an easy way to track that. Yeah. Exactly right. And if that's the case, I don't think you want to be within a million miles of it. Totally. If it's the first one, it's lovely people who love you and love Jesus, and you know they're they're imperfect. Well, you know that's that's every church. You know there, there's there's no perfect church. If it's the latter, uh, that's not the thing for you, man. Definitely move on. Absolutely. A little more thing. Yeah, and I can't overstress how often I hear what Jed is talking about. Uh, Literally once a week, someone will say, "Pastor has a vision, and he cast the vision." Pastor read a book. We're gonna we're gonna reach all. I I heard this this week. We're gonna reach all of Chicago, and then they mentioned all thirty million people. That's impressive. Yeah, and they they, they they mentioned the six new churches they want to plant, all in areas where there are only white wealthy people. Yeah, <laughs> it's really brave of them. Uh, and and it's great to have goals. There's nothing wrong with having goals as a church. But when we're talking about this stuff, it's important for you to understand w- the kind of ministry that we do, as Jed is saying, is we're raising other people up. Yeah. They are going out and reaching Chicago, not yes, us. Right. So we, that, this is, you know. And that would be just as true for a church as it is for a parachurch organization. No question. Absolutely. We have, true yeah, we have a, a, what we call our deacons division. They work just like deacons in a church where these are men that we have raised up. And, and, and to be fair, of course, they've had other influences in their life, other Christian influences, maybe relatives, other churches and whatnot. But we've raised these guys up, and they help us with the service. They help us with the guys. 
uh, you know, they're part of the life of the church. They, they're up front and, and le- leading elements of the service and all of that. Uh, but these are guys that we've raised up, and they are going to go on and do amazing things. Yeah. Uh, it's our job is to just keep making more of them. Yes. That's how we intend to reach the city. It's like sense. we're going and making disciples. Yeah, where did I read that? Go to all the world. No, I made that up. It's one of those church consultancy books. It's me, man. Oh, you made that up. And you're welcome. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of good stuff on that. And the the bottom line on this is um, this could be, this is weird. Uh-huh. And it's not that uncommon at this point. So could be coming from a good place, could be from a bad place. Like I said, if you want to hit us up on the email address or uh, Tumblr and just email us a copy of the thing, happy to look at it. Yeah. We can probably suss it out pretty easily. Two, two quick points I want to give you on this. One is one thing you can look at if you're not sure, and this is also a good litmus test for a church, is to say, I need to think through, pray through, ask some people about the whole covenant membership thing. Not saying it's from a bad place, but saying I haven't encountered that before. It weirds me out to sign something in church. Right. So, how do we feel about what? What's your policy on non-member attendees? Mm-hmm. A lot of places, and again, it doesn't justify it. It's still weird. Uh, one of the reasons some places try to be a little more hardcore about membership is to be a member means you get to vote on the budget and the initiatives. So they want to make sure that's people invested. Again, the membership covenant to me is where do I go about that? But if they say, we'd love to still have you, you can come to the small group and do the whole thing. You just can't vote in the budget meeting if you're not a member. That's sure. That makes sense. That's cool. The other thing is um, these don't mean anything. Yeah. So if you end up signing it or if someone listening has signed a membership covenant, like, I don't like this church, seems weird, you can just leave. Yeah, don't worry about it. There's nothing yeah. uh, legally or spiritually binding about a church membership covenant. Um, the only thing that can happen, this is more uh, particular in some cultures, is when you go to a new church, they may ask, were you a church member anywhere else? And if it's in the same denomination, they may, but these don't mean anything. Again, yeah. these are, right, right. on the good side, these are a way for them to get to know their people better and make sure everybody's on the same page. On the negative side, it's literally a way to track the number of bodies who the pastor can tell a book company will buy my book. Yep. <laughs> so either way, it's not a binding thing. So don't worry about that. All right, we move on to our last question here. Came in anonymous with our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I know everyone gets married. Glenn, people have been listening. Ah. Doesn't that feel nice? That does feel nice. But I'm really independent and like to explore new things and new places. So I'm worried about having to settle down and live a life that isn't as exciting. How can I prepare myself for this? It's a bit of a leading question. Lee, why don't you kick us off? Uh, hey, thanks for writing in to us uh, on this. I, I think I would say then don't have a boring life. Yeah. Um, it really is kind of up to you. Um, one of the things on this is that the uh, I, I, I don't love the idea that, that settling down to get married uh, dooms you to the most boring life in the history of the world. Um, I... You know, the the fact of it is, is that if you find, uh, you know, if you if you find a human being who loves you and wants to work this thing out, and you guys put the work in, as we're talking about in the and at the top of the show, to uh, to figure out how to have a strong and godly marriage with a with a goal and a, and you're serving each other and you're you know all that kind of stuff, you understand each other, you you are sticking with each other, all that business. That is the most thrilling thing in in the history of the world. I mean, it is, it is not, that is not a boring or a, a, a settling thing. And, and the cool deal is, is that marriages don't have to look exactly alike. I mean, they can be like fingerprints. I've got, I've got, we've got some friends uh, who go to our church who, 
uh, at, you know, uh, a little while back, packed up their three kids and went in an RV and spent like six or eight months just going around the United States. And, and if, you know, for you, that probably sounds like the coolest idea ever for me, I would rather be dead than do that. But (laughs) that's, that's just the way, you know, we, I, I have some other friends who, uh, who, you know, they packed their family up and they went to go serve the Lord together in uh, Madrid, Spain. And then after a while, they, they felt the Lord calling them. They packed their kids up and then they went to serve the Lord in the middle of Manhattan. And they're from the South, you know, and they're right there in the craziness of the middle of Manhattan, just serving Jesus together. And so there's there's not the a guarantee that if you if you get married that you're settling down to a doomed life of boredom or something like that. And you know, I mean, we, you know, my wife and I we have we have uh three kids and a house in the suburbs, but I'm telling you what, if for it is a it it is a sweet and an awesome life filled with all kinds of stuff that the Lord is doing. It, we He has filled our lives with with people that we love and and uh, that that are serving the Lord all over the place, friends and all all, that, all throughout the kingdom of God. All this to say. You find somebody who understands you, who likes the same kind of stuff, and you go have the adventures that you want to have following the Lord in what he has for you. You don't have to have a boring life just because you have a married life. That's absolutely right. And Jed, maybe you can talk to us about how um, marriage is often part of the adventure as opposed to preventing it. Oh, no question about it. Um, you know, the the fundamental role of a Christian marriage is to enable you and your spouse to serve the Lord more effectively as a team than you can separately. I want to repeat that. It's super important. It's also not original to me. The purpose of a Christian as marriage... As Glenn stares. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> Take it away, Jed. We good? Yeah. The purpose of a Christian marriage is for you and your spouse to serve the Lord more effectively as a team than you can separately. That is an adventure. I guarantee it. Because the Lord will inevitably call you to do things that are out of your comfort zone, out of your ability, in way over your head. That is a great adventure. Um, It might not look like a great adventure to somebody else, but that doesn't matter. Um, You know... um, your marriage, your life is meant to be a great adventure, and it's meant to be a great adventure to you. It's not somebody else's great adventure. It's it's your great adventure. One of the things that – there are few things in life more true than this, and it's equal parts both convicting and inspiring is life is what you make of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, marriages are what you make of them. Um if you choose to have a life that is filled with having adventures, serving other people in Jesus' name, you know, uh, um, ins and outs and what have you – you'll have that kind of life. Nobody can stop you from having that. Right. If you choose to have a life that's boring and humdrum and mundane and pedestrian and, you know, just waiting to die, then you will have that kind of life. Right. No one can force that on you. That's the life that that you choose. So don't choose that life. Um, Choose a life that's filled with adventure. Choose a life that's filled with serving other people and find a spouse that wants that too. Um, Nobody, nobody can stop you from uh, choosing that life. Nobody can stop you from choosing that spouse, and nobody can stop you and your spouse from living that life out together. That's, right. That's all fantastic stuff. And Glenn, maybe you can uh, take us out on this. And Lee and Jed have covered very well the point that marriage is what you make it. Um, also, I think this relates back to our first question. I wonder if you cover this with us. Like um, fear about marriage is not going to play into this well, and will lead you in some weird directions. Well, absolutely. Um, Here's here's how I read this question. I like excitement 
marriage, super boring. Yeah. <laughs> so probably the only thing is not getting married. Yeah. It's not up to me, y'all. I would love to get married sure. and and ask someone to marry me and have a life with someone and be totally romantic and be like bold with it. That's yeah. that's my natural thing. That's what I would do. I'd love to get in there and take some risks and be vulnerable, but it's just not in the cards. Right, but you know, I just I just it's the adventure. I'm just into the adventure of life. And so I got I got to do that thing, man. Right. Um uh, here's me not at all buying that at all. Sure. <laughs> so Swing and a miss. Take another pass. That's not it. Uh, these things are, are these are things we tell ourselves uh, uh, to make excuses. These are things that we say, uh, you know. Geez, uh, I, I I don't know if you can dig it. You did just all insult all married people everywhere yeah. by suggesting that marriage is boring. We're gonna let that pass. Uh, 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 Both Glenn and Jed will be taking their wives into the most dangerous neighborhood in America on Tuesday. That won't be boring. <laughs> Believe me, that we don't have our our marriages are anything but boring. They're that, frequently terrifying, but rarely sometimes boring. they're terrifying. Uh, it, either way, it's exciting. But this is the thing; it's just not an excuse. No excuses. Absolutely. Here's where here's, we're going to boil it down to: this having romantic relationships is a beautiful lovely exciting part of life that god wants for you no doubt it's uh complicated it it's messy it uh doesn't come when you call it it doesn't happen right when you want it to and uh you have to work it you have to get out there and meet people and try and go out and not really connect and then try and regroup and do it again and that's what that's what it's all about, but it's a healthy, important, good part of life. If you have put that off for any reason, uh, you know, adventurousness or soul ties or any other kind of or soul tie adventurousness, soul, whatever kind of weird made up whatever adventure it is. ties. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this, this is, I left my heart in Machu Picchu. I'm spiritually rock climbing with him forever. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, these are stupid things we're saying that are not far from what people actually believe. Okay, so this is this is the thing. So. Uh, no more excuses. It's time for your love life and for this part of your life to wake up, and it's time for it to do its thing. Uh, it's going to be filled with ups and downs. It's going to be filled with moments of vulnerability that will scare you right to your absolute core. If you have any love of adventure, my dear sister, this is where it begins. Yep. Exactly. So uh, show us how adventurous you can be. And, and get in get, there. Get in there and uh, I- I experience all the wild ups and downs and the unknowns of it and the, the, the new territory to explore there. It's a fantastic way to end that one off. Thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out the song this week. There's a song Jed wrote called Different. It's about kind of looking at things from a new perspective, finding a little courage, as we were talking about there at the end. Yeah. Great. A lot of things we talked about in this story, in this week about you know breaking through from old patterns. One thing I didn't want to mention that I definitely want to in our second question there is, hey, good for you for going out there and looking at new churches. No doubt. A lot of times yeah. people put that off out of uh, fear, one of the big things. So. Mm-hmm. 
that's awesome. You're doing you're doing a new thing in a new place. Our friend here who's going to get adventurous. So this is a great song Jed wrote called Different. This is a version with our friend Haley Harris from Nashville yeah. giving us some awesome lead vocals on. So thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. I've got this, Francis. I have the dance moves to defeat these anti-Christmas terrorists. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's just a little snippet. Anyway. As yeah. I think, so I...